0: Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals.
1: Our hand picked, expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr. Rayleigh Hello and welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast about fertility and women's health. You are joined as always by me, Geordie Morrison and Dr. Raylia Liu, CREI Fertility Specialist. Welcome Raylia. Hello, how are you Geordie? I'm great, having a good weekend. Today, we're talking about using frozen eggs to conceive, or as you like to say, playing to win.
0: I do like to say playing to win because there are different ways to use frozen eggs To conceive and I feel that there are strategies that I've developed in my practice that are very effective.
1: We've got an episode that we aired earlier in this season about should I or shouldn't I freeze my eggs and also in the back catalogue we've got a few episodes about the process itself. Tell us what happens when we might want to use our eggs. A little bit different to other
0: ways of having a baby, when we use frozen eggs, we're usually using them at a time where they are the person's best option of moving forward and having a child. So it's usually a little bit later in life. Um, It's usually a limited number of frozen eggs that we have. Hopefully when I froze eggs for the person, they listened and did enough treatments to have 20 to 30 eggs and that's what we like to have. In terms of the sperm, I'm going to talk about the sperm because the eggs are what they are. They're in the freezer. They're safe. They're going to have the same fertility potential as the day we put them away. But if you come back to use your eggs with a partner, the sperm that we use can be influenced over the months leading up to when we take the eggs out of the freezer. So a really important part of playing to win with using frozen eggs is getting your partner to work on sperm health. Now what that means is dedicating a few months pre-treatment to ensuring optimal diet and lifestyle, antioxidant therapy, frequency of ejaculation and ensuring that we minimize exposure to things like toxins in our environment endocrine dysregulators and making sure that we're getting enough sleep, that we're not burning the candle, that we are ensuring the sperm we use is in its best possible shape. At Women's Health Melbourne, we have a holistic approach to fertility and we can always have a chat to some of our other specialists to talk about what can be done even before you see me to use your frozen eggs for you and your partner to optimize your chance of being receptive and to optimize the sperm health so that we make the best quality embryos we can out of your frozen eggs. There will be some people who can't work on the sperm because they're using donor sperm and that sperm is already frozen but hopefully in that case, well actually if it's a known donor you can do all the same thing. So if if you're coming back with A friend who is a known donor, Um, if they are collaborative and working on the sperm they can do everything that a partner can do to make the sperm healthy and at its best for fertilizing your frozen eggs. The next thing that we need to work on is your uterus and receptivity and we want to make sure that there is no factor that could reduce your chance of getting pregnant with your frozen eggs. So we need to do a pelvic ultrasound first of all and we may decide to do a hysteroscopy which is looking inside your uterus with a camera to take a sample and what we want to do is make sure that we know from the start if there are any factors that could possibly reduce your chance of an embryo taking. We want to make sure that you don't have a polyp. We want to make sure that you don't have endometritis or inflammation of the lining of the womb. We want to make sure that your microbiome is regulated you don't have any infections and one of the tests that we ask you to do is a vaginal swab to check on that we make sure that you have the best chance of a healthy pregnancy we check that you are immune to important viruses to reduce your risk of catching a virus in pregnancy that could cause a miscarriage or a baby with a problem things like chickenpox and rubella things like making sure that you're immune to pertussis all of these things are important we make sure that your nutrition is ideal for pregnancy so that might mean putting you on a prenatal supplement if you have other medical conditions or if you're just interested in optimizing your health through diet we have in our holistic team the opportunity to involve a clinical nutritionist in your care That's particularly important for some people who have underlying issues like celiac disease, diabetes, sometimes a risk of diabetes. For example, um, if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, getting that under control can help you have a healthy pregnancy. Optimizing all medical conditions that you may have personally, and that's gonna be different person to person. Making sure all your medicines that you have to take are pregnancy friendly making sure that you're replete in vitamins, minerals, nutrients, iron, vitamin D, pre-pregnancy. This is all setting you up for success using your frozen eggs. So we do extensively evaluate you. We do lots of blood tests, we do scans. We make sure that everything is ready at the starting line to have a successful cycle. This is before the embryology happens. And it's an important part of the puzzle of using your eggs successfully. Another thing I do in my practice to help you have the best chance with the frozen eggs you have is to batch them and not use them all at once. Sometimes in IVF, there are things that go wrong in the lab, not for one of planning, just because that's what happens to biological cells. So when you make embryos from frozen eggs, we have to acknowledge that when you refreeze an embryo, There is a chance, it's not a common thing, but it does happen, that you may lose that embryo, not because of anything wrong with that embryo, but because it didn't survive being frozen and warmed as an embryo. So we want to minimize that risk as much as possible. What we want to do is only warm enough eggs to make, we hope, an embryo to transfer and potentially to obviously freeze any additional embryos that would be lucky to have having warmed those eggs. We don't want to warm too few eggs because we don't want you to be in a situation where we've got you ready for an embryo transfer and there isn't a suitable embryo. We know that about one in five eggs makes an embryo. I usually say warm closer to nine to 11 eggs in one go just to try and make sure that we have statistics on our side for embryo transfer. Another thing we sometimes do more commonly with frozen eggs is consider how many embryos we transfer at the same time. And this is a fraught subject and it's one that requires nuance and discussion and it's not suitable for everybody to have a double embryo transfer. And I would say for most people, it's not suitable to have a double embryo transfer. But there are some circumstances, particularly when we have a limited number of frozen eggs, where the equation of freezing an embryo versus transferring that embryo may be different in your individual circumstances. If that is the case, then what we would have is a very detailed discussion of your obstetric risk factors, the pros and cons, and ultimately the decision will be yours. But this is something we need to discuss, and it's part of the strategy of trying to get you pregnant with frozen eggs and particularly pertinent to women who've frozen a lower number of eggs than what I would have advised them to do. So these are all things that we need to discuss. In terms of making sure that you have your best chance of getting pregnant with an embryo transfer, we're going to plan to warm those
1: eggs. Before the embryo transfer, what can we do ourselves to have the best chance of success? There are things that we can do in the
0: long term and in the short So something you can do in the long term is make sure that body weight is controlled because one of the things that helps me do the best embryo transfer I can do is if I can see clearly on ultrasound what I'm doing. And obviously this is not a statement to induce any shaming of anybody, but it is much easier to see the uterus if someone has a normal BMI. So if you can achieve a normal BMI, which is less than 30 in an ideal world, Um, that will improve your chances of getting pregnant that's well documented from the medical evidence and there are multiple factors but one of them is how easy it is to do your embryo transfer if you have a straightforward embryo transfer then you are more likely to get pregnant with the same embryo there's also a whole lot of other things like less inflammation in the body and other factors as to why that's the case but accuracy of placement visibility of ultrasound is important Another thing to mention that is much more short term in in that term is following instructions prior to embryo transfer and making sure that you have a relatively full bladder at the time of your embryo transfer is very, very helpful for the placement of the embryo. I will have had a look at your cervix um, through ultrasound and plus or minus hysteroscopy, which is looking inside the uterus with a camera. And that is to ensure that your cervix can be navigated with an embryo catheter as well and that there's no concerns about not being able to easily and atraumatically place the embryo catheter to transfer the embryo. Um, Dilating the cervix with hysteroscopy can be very helpful in that way. Some people do have a narrow cervix. Some people have cervical stenosis or scarring. Maybe they've had some treatment for an abnormal pap smear. Uh, Maybe they've had other surgery on their cervix that might have made it a little bit harder to place a catheter, or maybe they just have a very narrow cervix as a lot of us do before we've had a baby. So making sure that the pathway in is dilated and suitable can avoid traumatic embryo transfer. We want to warm eggs in a controlled fashion and we want to make sure that we're putting them into an environment where the uterine lining is thickened and receptive. Um, It's sometimes useful to do a trial cycle before someone has their eggs warmed, if especially if they're postmenopausal, because if someone has gone through menopause and they're having an embryo transfer in an artificially controlled cycle, uh, we can get the recipe right and make sure that everything looks as it should prior to putting the embryo back. So we can have a trial run to try and make sure that that is all perfected and that we know how someone absorbs medication and that we're gonna get the levels correct and optimal. In a natural cycle, it can be a little trickier to warm eggs. We have to do some blood tests and ultrasound monitoring to make sure that that natural cycle is suitable for egg warming. Um, And there's a little bit more reactivity in planning when we do an egg warm in a natural cycle. And some people choose to do an egg warm in a medically assisted cycle because it is a cycle where we have more control. And there are pros and cons of both approaches, but that's quite a common practice.
1: From the perspective of the lab, someone has decided to use their eggs. What happens next? So we
0: set the scene by the fact that we need to line up when the embryo goes back to when the uterus is ready to be receptive to an embryo for implantation. So we need the lining of the uterus to speak the same language as the embryo at the blastocyst stage. So when we warm the eggs... The lab's given instructions to do that only after we are sure that the uterus is ready to go. So the first part of the cycle is always getting you ready. And then once you're ready, we get the lab ready. And in the lab, your eggs will be warmed on the day that we tell the lab to warm your eggs relative to when we wanna do your embryo transfer. So this is five days before your embryo transfer. The eggs are then injected with sperm. Some eggs may not survive. We always buffer. So when I say to warm 9 to 11 eggs, I may expect that some of them do not warm, that they come out of the freezer and they don't survive. That's normal. We know that when we inject sperm with ICSI, which is called intracytoplasmic sperm injection, we take a single sperm and we inject that sperm into the egg. That is required no matter how healthy the sperm is when we use frozen eggs because the eggshell hardens to some degree with freezing and so that technique is required. We expect about half the eggs to fertilize successfully and we expect about half the eggs not to. Now that can be different in different people. Just like any stat, you can do better than average or worse than average or you can be average and 50% would be average. We then expect that about half again of the fertilized eggs will go on to make an embryo suitable for embryo transfer. And then depending on whether we have decided on single embryo transfer, which most of the time we would, if there are any other embryos that are suitable for freezing in the cycle, either on the same day that we do the embryo transfer, which is day five after either you ovulate naturally, um, actually day seven after you have an ovulation surge or a trigger. It's the same timing, just using a different yardstick. Or day five after we've started progesterone medication, we like you to have in an artificial cycle context five full days of progesterone medication before your embryo transfer, because that opens the window for implantation. And it's the progesterone that does this, whether you, whether you take it as a medication or whether it is made naturally by your ovary in the cycle. We then place the blastocyst embryo gently inside the womb and it's generally graded by the embryologists in the lab before transfer and so we know what kind of a blastocyst it is is it an early blastocyst is it an expanded blastocyst they'll give a gardener grading scale so they'll give an a or a b to the inner and outer layer of the embryo both of those are good grades If an embryo has a lower grade, we may still transfer that embryo, but it has a lower chance of success and we need to talk about that. Um, When we're using frozen eggs, a chance is a chance and we would still potentially proceed, but the grade of the embryo is something we can use to advise you on how likely that embryo is to make a baby. We can also culture embryos on and freeze them or transfer them Um, in this type of cycle on day six and that's something that's also reasonable in this type of cycle. Uh, It's not reasonable in a stimulated IVF cycle to transfer an embryo on day six but in a frozen egg cycle that sometimes can be done. So we individualize care. Every patient that I use frozen egg technology on to try and help them conceive, I'll be watching every step in that cycle and managing it personally and I'll be communicating with them so that they know when things are going to plan and if things are not going to plan, we'll talk about it. Um, Most usually things do go to plan. We'll then be measuring the progesterone in the patient's bloodstream to make sure that the progesterone medicine they're taking and all of my patients, whether their cycle is natural or artificially planned, will be using luteal phase support. Um, That is something that has been proven to improve live birth outcomes both in natural and hormonally controlled cycles. And we'll be measuring that progesterone to make sure that it's adequate. And we'll be continuing that progesterone for the first six weeks of your pregnancy to make sure that your pregnancy has the best chance of having a successful implantation and being established. And then it's the part that we all hate because it's the part that we can't control. I hate it and you hate it too as a patient because – If we've set you up for success and we've done everything we can, then it's down to the embryo and it has to do its thing and it has to get everything right. And the chance an embryo will do that depends on the age that you were when the egg was frozen. So if you froze your eggs when you were in your late 20s or early 30s, then there's going to be about a 50-50 chance of that embryo making a baby. If you froze your eggs more like closer to your mid-30s, it's going to be more like A one in three chance, and if you froze your eggs and you were over 35, um, depending how far over 35 you were when you froze your eggs, the chance may be more like one in four or less. So the chance that you have of each little embryo making a baby is relative to the age you were when you froze your eggs, and that's why freezing your eggs when
1: you're younger gives you a better chance. Success sounds like it comes down to quite a few factors, how you have prepared yourself and the quality of the lab you've used. What would be other factors that contribute to success?
0: I think from experience, your doctor, you know, and how how the cycle is managed. It's not just the fact that you have eggs frozen, it's how you use them. And I think personalised care is critical. And I find that in my practice, the majority of my patients and not all my patients, I have to say that, it's true that not all patients who use frozen eggs will be successful. But the majority of my patients are. And I think the factors that influence that are the fact that we have a holistic model of care at Women's Health Melbourne, that we leave no stone unturned, that we check out all the different things before we get started if we can. Um, There are some things that are, discovered as we go in IVF and you know we can't check for absolutely everything for example some people do develop issues that we only find out about in pregnancy but everything that can be found out we try and find out before we get started and that really sets people up for success and then just strategy and personalized care managing each person as an individual they're not in an IVF factory um, and we're very invested in your success. And I think that's having, having a team invested in your success and holistically approaching your situation is what I call playing to win.
1: Thank you, Raylia. To support Knocked Up, leave us a review or recommend to a friend. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and join Raylia at Dr Lu. And email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au.